You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed mind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. This to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week. Yes, I am laughing. I am laughing. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. No, I'm not the laughing Buddha. My name's Joseph Toscano, although some people think that I've got the Buddha physiology. It means I eat a lot. Okay. If you wonder what anarchism is all about, no, it's not about religion. It's a very simple concept, anarchos without rulers. How do you kneecap rulers? No, not with shotguns, just control yourself there. You kneecap rulers by destroying the institutional structures which give them the ability to determine the lives of millions of people. And what are those institutional structures? Inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share power or devolve power and the struggle to hold wealth in common and share wealth. It's those inequalities which give rulers, whether they're hereditary, whether they're dictatorial, whether they're elected, the ability to make decisions for billions of people. And the struggle is ongoing. It's been going on since the beginning of human history. It will continue to go on long after you and I have died. And most likely it'll go on if we're able to colonise and destroy our neighbours in outer space. So that's what anarchism is all about. So if you're involved in the struggle to share power and share wealth, well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. You have the anarchist tattoo on your forehead. Now, what a week. What a week. Well, everybody's every week's a great week if you're alive. But uh, it's been an extraordinary week. Now, I've got some words, and I'll see if you can put them together. Weak, pathetic, useless. You like that? Weak, pathetic, and useless. No, I'm not talking about you and me. You can relax. We don't denigrate our four listeners uh, around the globe. So this program (laughs) is podcast, and you can access the podcast by... Go to 3cr.org.au just in case you miss something. So it's weak, pathetic, useless. And then I'm going to use four names. Zuckerberg, Higgins, Bilson and Kelly. And you'll be scratching your head. What's, what's, What's this idiot trying to do? Well, I've always said that Scott Morrison was a conniving politician. The way he achieved the prime ministership in the Liberal Party wars before the last uh, federal election showed showed us what a conniving, snivelling little politician Mr Morrison has been. But there are four things that have happened this week 
which I'm going to go through, which highlight how unfit Mr Scott Morrison and the Liberal National Party are to rule this country. The first thing is Zuckerberg and Facebook. What a weak, pathetic action by the Morrison-led government. What a weak, pathetic action. They beat themselves on the chest. They tell us what great people they are. They tell Rupert Murdoch they're going to go out there and battle to make billions of dollars for him by making Google and Facebook pay for content. Because this is what this struggle was all about. It wasn't about getting Google and Facebook to pay taxes so they could be used for the welfare of Australians. No, this was about, this was a, a battle to improve the financial position of the Murdochs of the world. That's what this was all about. So they went out there on the front line, charged, and then when it got to lopping the head off, they got cold feet. Now, they're quite happy to lop, lop the head off this country's people who are looking for work. They're quite happy to kick you and me. But when it comes to facing up to the big boys and girls, they are weak. And if there's anything that highlights how weak and pathetic and useless Mr Morrison and the government he leads is, is the way they acquiesced to the little bit of pressure that Facebook placed on this country. Now, I don't normally say I'm ashamed to be Australian, because I'm not ashamed to be Australian, but I am ashamed to be living in a country where the Australian people have elected this government. I mean, I thought to myself, this is unusual. The Liberal National Party is going to stand up to the corporate sector. But what happens? Mr Morrison, Mr Frydenberg and the rest of the measly mob kowtow. Kowtow. At least when the British entered China, they refused to kowtow to the emperor. This is the uh, ambassadors or the envoys. But not Mr Morrison. He's quite happy to kowtow to anybody who's got power, especially financial power. So if you think that we've seen something which is extraordinary, you're quite right. So that's the first one, Zuckerberg. The next one, Higgins. I have never seen in my life such a pathetic response to the allegations which have been raised by Miss Higgins, a Liberal Party staffer, regarding sexual assault in Parliament, in the office next to the Prime Minister's office. Now, if any organisation that I was involved with had found itself in the same position, we would have been pilloried we would have been destroyed. But not Mr Morrison. He's holding four inquiries to try to uh, get our minds off the issue. And we're not going to get our minds off the issue because this is not just an issue about Miss Higgins and alleged sexual assault. It's a continuing history of misogyny and sexual assault, which seems to be part and parcel 
of the Liberal Party and their inability to deal with it. And it's quite fascinating how Mr Morrison, our current Prime Minister, and he won't be Prime Minister for long, and you've heard it here on the Anarchist World this week, has become the Sergeant Schultz of Australia. I saw nothing. I hear nothing. That's right. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I'm told nothing. How extraordinary. How extraordinary. Morality. Ethics. Well, they're for losers like you and me. You know, people who obey the law, pay our taxes, work hard, do the best we can to rear our children despite our many personal failings. We do our best. At the end of the day, we're stuck into some privately owned nursing home which bleeds as of any assets we may have acquired during a lifetime of work and struggle. That's us. There's them. Let's move on. It gets better. You know, that's why I'm using the words weak, pathetic and useless as far as Mr Morrison and the current government is concerned. It gets better. Bilson. Bruce Bilson. A blast from the past. Good old Bilson. Now, currently, the business community is screaming for a small business and family enterprise ombudsman. We do have one, Kate Cannell, who's resigned. And guess what the best person they could come up with to take over this position for the next five years. Mr. Bruce Bilson, the long-term member for Dunkley, which includes Frankston and parts of the Mornington Peninsula, in southern Melbourne, a man who left Parliament in very exceptionally dubious situation where he was actually censored by both major parties in Parliament. You don't see that often. So here he is in 2016, leaves in a cloud because poor old Mr Bilson had been, you know, working hard for the Liberal Party in Dunkley for over two decades and saw the writing on the wall and decided to bail out. Now, he was a Minister of the Crown under the Turnbull government. He was the Minister for Small Business, who was sacked by Turnbull and censured by Parliament. And what did he do? While he was Minister for Small Business, looking around for a job outside Parliament when he resigned uh, before the elect- two elections ago, he was receiving money up to $75,000 from the Franchise Council of Australia because he'd taken on a job with the Franchise Council of, of Australia as their executive director while a member of the federal parliament without telling anybody or recording his interests on the parliamentary register. 
That's an extraordinary. He just said it was a paper. You know, it was just a, you know, paperwork. I mean, people have been jailed for less. And now, four years later, he's rehabilitated by the Morrison-led Liberal National Party government. Rehabilitated. He's going to be appointed the Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman for the next five years, as if his superannuation payments after 20 years in Parliament isn't enough. Extraordinary. And the last one, Kelly. We all know poor Mr Kelly. Poor Mr Kelly is out there battling windmills. The Don Quixote of the conspirators in federal parliament has decided to resign, but, from the Liberal Party, but guarantee supply to the Morrison-led government so they can't be uh, voted out in the House. So there we are. Weak, pathetic, useless. Not just Morrison, but the federal government as a whole. And remember those four names. Zuckerberg, Mr Morrison and the federal government kowtowing to Mr Zuckerberg. Higgins, the inability of the Liberal Party to deal with serious issues, serious issues regarding the very nature of the Liberal Party. Bilson, extraordinary, sacked by Turnbull, which I assume is a tick in Morrison's eye, censured by Parliament, now to be appointed the Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. And Kelly, well, you can make up your own mind. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on freecr.org.au. I'd like to welcome all those listeners across the country and over 20 community radio stations which listen to the Anarchist World this week. From Broome to Adelaide to Yapoon, and the list goes on and on and on. So... The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439395489. You can go to Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel and the list goes on and on. You can even go to my personal Facebook page. Now, you can't go to Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Facebook page because we were banned over tw- over 12 months ago and, and we wear it as a badge of honour. Now, a political party which wants radical change banned from Facebook. Uh, and so if you think, uh, you know, it's a private organisation, they set the rules, that's the way it goes. So it's a badge of honour to be banned. But you can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. All right, let's move on. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to tie in two things, corporate obscenity and $3.57 a day. Think about it. We're going to be a little bit esoteric today because I'm getting a bit bored being straightforward because nobody listens to straightforward analysis. Let's be a little bit esoteric. Corporate obscenity and $3.57 a day. Now, there have been changes to JobSeeker 
changes which uh, many people have found incredulous and other people think it's a bit too generous. But the changes aren't to the amount of money that are critical. I mean, $3.57 a day. I'm sure you can go to a $2 shop and find something for that. But the fact is that the number of job interviews have been increased from 8 to 20. And when you've got 15 people looking for one job, that's right, there are current statistics, 15 people looking for one job, you begin to realise that this is a system which has been set up to drive people off the social security system. It is designed to make life so difficult and hard for people who receive unemployment benefits in order to drive them off the social security system into poorly paid, part-time and in many cases illegal work. This is what this is about. You think Mr Morrison and his crew cares about you because you were born in this country or you're a resident in this country? Think again. They don't give a crap about the 35% of Australians who live on Social Security benefits except those people over 65 or 67 who receive old age pensions who continue to vote for the Liberal National Party in droves because they're terrified terrified of what could happen. I mean, fear seems to be the main motivation in this country currently. So $3.57 a day and all these onerous things. What will happen? You've got people who are unemployed now, who've never been unemployed before, who can't be categorised as dull bludgers, who are finding it increasingly difficult to find a job, You know, 15 people competing for one job. That means 14 will lose out. It's very simple. Even I can do that. You take one from 15, it equals 14, but it seems the federal government's not able to do that. And all these onerous conditions. You are going to have the same problems as robo-debt. You are going to increase anxiety because people are cut off their payments and they'll be cut off their payments with monotonous regularity by privately owned organisations who make a profit, who are paid by the federal government to manage the unemployed. We've all heard the stories, the horror stories. The more people they get rid of the system, the more money goes into their pockets. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. So we have these so-called welfare organisations making billions of dollars, making the lives of people on Social Security, especially unemployment benefits and single parents, a misery, a day-to-day misery. So you get the situation, what what I call is, it's called post-traumatic stress disorder when you're dealing with a government department whether it's Social Security, whether it's the NDIS, the fact that you are spending so much time jumping through so many hoops to receive a pittance at the end of the day in order to keep body and soul together. And this is part of the, you know, the mouse on the wheel trick, you know. You put the mouse on the wheel and the mouse goes around and around and around and around and around and then it drops off and its little legs go up and it's dead. It's the same concept. 
You put people on these revolving wheels which go nowhere and you hope they drop off. And the unemployment uh, numbers decrease. And you hope they drop dead so you can make sure they never come back on the... I know, I know, it, sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but this is the thinking behind this. The thinking behind this is to make life on unemployment benefits and single parents' benefits so miserable, so hard, so impossible as to drive people into a marketplace to take on insecure, part-time, irregular, poorly paid work. Because wages are so low in this country for many sections of the population, especially the semi-skilled and the unskilled, that the difference is minimal. It's extraordinary. And when you add the fact, and this is a fact, I'm not making this up, my name's not Trump, I don't believe in alternative facts, that 1.5 million Australian workers, 1.5 million, that's approximately 15%, will lose their jobs in the next 10 years because of automation. I'll put it another way. When you go into a supermarket and you buy your groceries, what do they do? They try to force you through automatic checkout so that they employ less staff and maximise profits for shareholders. That's what automation is. When you go into your bank and they say, would you like us to teach you how to use the automatic teller for your deposit? Or they make the line so long in the bank that they force you to even to consider going on the insecure web to do your banking, promising they'll give you your money back if somebody rips it off. This is what automation is. It's these little things which remove people from work. Now, I have no problems with automation. I have no problems whatsoever with automation. Why should human beings be tied into poorly paid, insecure work in order to pay their bills? So automation, in my opinion, is, a, is good. But the problem is we live in a capitalist system and capitalism is private investment for private profit. We live in a capitalist system which revolves around you being an investor or a wage earner. And as most people don't have disposable income to be an investor, you're a wage earner. And if you're not part of the wage system, well then, in a capitalist society, you are in big trouble. You can't pay your rent, you can't pay your mortgage, you can't pay your kids' expenses, and the list goes on and on. So if you're going to have automation, and you're going to have increasing numbers of unemployed, you need a social security system which encompasses this issue. And what we have been talking about in public interest before corporate interest now for years, and it's part a plank, an essential plank of our political and social platform, it's a living wage. The debate about a living wage is critical. 
a living wage which does away with the concept of unemployment benefits, old age benefits, single parents benefits, but a living wage which is tied to the number of dependents you have, a wage which ensures you are able to look after the basic necessities of life. And we've gone through this before in terms of how to finance a living wage. And obviously it means political change and it means parliamentary legislation and it means big changes as far as corporate Australia is concerned. And a few things we've spoken about over the years is very simple. A 1% transaction tax, bang, bang, every dollar, 1%. You can raise over $120 billion a year. A 1% stock market turnover tax, bang, bang, done automatically. Everything on the ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, is done automatically. 1% straight to the government coffers, anywhere between 40 to $50 billion a year. Nationalisation without compensation of this country's resources. Because as we move more into automation, things like copper, silver, will become more and more important in terms of uh, finite commodities and increasing prices. So there are many ways via which we can actually increase taxation revenue, but it means a wholesale change in our thinking and us and us stopping worshipping at Mammon's statue. Private investment for private profit, private investment for private profit, which seems to the to be the mantra of not only the Morrison led Liberal National Party, you know, nitwits, but also all those nitwits in the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party have forgotten what Labor is when they remove you from Labor. L-A-B-O-R, if you look at the ALPs thing. So, living wage, critical to address these issues. It's not about $3.57 a day. So let's get back to our original proposition. Now, I talked about corporate obscenity and $3.57 a day. What's the link? It's very simple. The Australian Stock Exchange will be paying $73 billion in dividends to shareholders. Whoopie-doo, I can hear you say. I've got Commonwealth Bank shares in my superannuation portfolio and I will receive a dollar fifty seven for each share I hold. Whoopie doo Fine. I don't care if the Australian Stock Exchange is happy to give out through the various corporations which are part of the Australian Stock Exchange seventy three billion dollars to their Australian uh, stock owners. No problem. If that's what they want to do, that's Good, but I do have a problem with the fact because of franking credits, which was the Achilles heel of the Australian Labor Party's last federal election campaign, where the Australians sunk the lie, and it was a lie, hook, lying and sinker, that franking credits are somehow integral to this country's welfare that we will be paying, the Australian taxpayers, you and me, we will be paying these scum, that's right, we'll be paying these people money for owning shares, for what are called fully franked 
dividends where they don't pay tax. Extraordinary, and it's all legal. Well, they bitch about spending an extra $9 billion a year paying $3.57 a day extra to people on Social Security benefits, as well as putting them on some, you know, little wheel, like little mice, which they've got to tread until they fall off, exhausted or dead. That's the issue. That's the problem with the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC. Nobody seems to be able to join the dots. Today, it's... You know, it's, oh, 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 $3.57, not enough. Tomorrow it'll be something else. The next day it'll be something else. The next day it'll be something else. But nobody seems to join the dots. This is an obscenity. Corporate welfare. I don't care if they give out $100 billion or $70 billion or $2 billion in dividends to their shareholders because they've done well you know, exploiting people. They've done well and they're happy to share the profits. But I am livid at the fact that we'll be paying more in franking credits to shareholders, the taxpayer, than we actually do to assist people on Social Security benefits. It's just extraordinary. But that's the joy of living in the land of milk and honey for some. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio network. Now, you may be annoyed, you may be upset, you may be depressed about all this, you may think you can't fight City Hall, which is exactly what they want you to think. They want you to think that struggle is useless, that daring to struggle means losing. That's what they want you to think. And that's why we form public interest before corporate interest. Currently we have over 440 members on the electoral roll. When we uh, reach 550, we will become, we will apply for registration as a federal political party. I assume we'll have to jump through so many hoops, but we will eventually get there. So, if you're depressed about the situation, if you think the situation is hopeless, well, I am encouraging you as the Registered Officer of Public Interest Before Corporate Interest to join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, especially if you're on the electoral roll. And how can you join? Well, it's very simple. You can go to pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, and uh, download the application form. If you can't do that, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 We can always send you out an application form and if you hate telephones you can always write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. If you want to see what the policies are, go to pipsy.net because they don't care. Just remember that. They don't care. They don't care if you can't feed your family. They don't care if you lose your job. They don't care if you're depressed and anxious about all these changes. They really don't care at the end of the day. And it's not just about asylum seekers and uh, refugees, which they don't care about, but they don't care about their own citizens, their own people. People who've been born in, in this country or residents in this country, they don't really care. You know, if you fall on hard times, the whole purpose of the Social Security net was to ensure that everybody in this country had a basic standard of living. But no, they spent years 
during the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution, cutting holes in the social security net to ensure that more and more people fall through the net. So if it's business as usual you want, well, just continue going down there and casting your ballot every three years and, you know, looking at the television set or surfing the net or going and see Mr Craig Kelly, you know, on his, on his internet site and uh, enjoy yourselves. But don't complain to me. All right? Don't ring me up and complain. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in listening. I've lost interest in listening to people who complain because that's what they want. I mean, Australian citizens have been reduced to cringing, carping consumers. And that is a direct result of policies which has made us all think through our superannuation that we're all investors and what's good for investors is good for the nation, which is a load of crap. Think about it. Are you a carping, cringing consumer or you're a citizen with rights and responsibility? You're not a customer of Centrelink. You're not a Social Security customer. You are a citizen, a resident. And you have certain rights. Not rights which are enshrined in the Constitution, which is useless. But rights which are enshrined in your belief that you are born with inalienable rights and responsibilities that no government can legislate away, that no corporation can brush, brush aside. And that means being an active citizen. The squeaky wheel gets the most oil, I had to say. It's like today, you know. It's really funny. You've got to laugh. Sometimes you have to laugh. I mean, when you've been around as long as I have, the only way you survive is you, you laugh at the idiocy of it all. You're a loyal bank customer to the same bank for 40 years. They ignore you charge you more rates, gouge you, knife you in the back while offering lower rates to new customers. You're a loyal electricity customer of the same uh, electricity firm, say for 20 years, same story. Gas customer, same story. Loyalty means nothing in a corporate world. It's about maximising profits. That's what it's about. Loyalty means nothing in the business world. It is irrelevant. People who are loyal, like you and me, to various institutions, we are mugs. We're idiots. We're ripe for the plucking. We're there to be exploited. Could you imagine if a bank said, well, if you've been a customer for 10 years, we will give you a 1% deduction in your interest. Oh, no. Or if you've been in the same electricity corporation for 15 years, we'll give you a 10% deduction. It doesn't happen. You know, loyalties for mugs. It's all about churning and churning and churning. You know, turning over, getting new people to get onto new plans. But that's another story we'll talk about another day. It gets better. Now, you know that I normally don't do much about what's happening overseas. 
on the anarchist world this week because I think we've got – it's not the fact that we've got enough problems here, but it's, it's difficult sometimes to uh, sometimes to make any difference from here. But I do want to talk about the, the Sudanese stolen revolution today, and I could hear you thinking, Sudan, where's that? Well, Sudan's just under Egypt, you know, just there. It's got about 70 million people. The people of South Sudan have now achieved uh, independence from Sudan, so there's two separate countries there, right? Now, the people of Sudan have found themselves in a particularly difficult situation, been under an Islamic dictatorship for over 20 years. And about 18 months ago, they embarked on half a revolution. Half a revolution. Where they forced the former dictator, Mr Bashir, to step down from power. But the armed forces continued to maintain power and they appointed an interim government which shares power with the armed forces, although real power still lies in the hands of the uh, Janjaweed, which is the uh, Islamic militias and the uh, military. Now, currently Sudan is a basket case. And the United Arab Republic and uh, the uh, Kingdom of Arabia... I'm not going to use the word Saudi Arabia because all it means, all Saudi Arabia, all it means is the House of Saudi, which owns the Arabian Peninsula. I mean, those scum stole it from the Arabian people years ago, courtesy of the British, who gave them the go-ahead. But that's a different story. So they've so they've been waiting now for 18 months for change, and guess what? Guess what? It's all about neoliberal dreaming. Neoliberal dreaming. Yesterday, the Sudanese pound was floated. Neoliberal dreaming. About the only resources the Sudan has is its armed forces, which are used by the United Arab Emirates and the House of Saudi in Arabia to do its dirty work in the Middle East, in Yemen. Because they don't have the people to do their own dirty work. They need to pay other people to do their own dirty work. So we've got this neoliberal dreaming, which has become the mantra of the government, the interim government in Sudan, which was never elected but was appointed by the military, which continues to hold real power in Sudan. They've gone down the neoliberal pathway. And so what's happening? Bread prices are escalating. Oil prices are escalating. And the fact is, there's no silver lining to a neoliberal cloud. We have been victims of neoliberalism, which is deregulation, which means removing government legislation which protects people from the unaccountable corporations, privatisation, everything that could have been privatised has been privatised in Sudan, including the, 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 the zoo, the parks, and the list goes on and on. What privatisation means, a fancy word for saying the government gives away assets which are owned by the people, which have been paid by the people to the private sector. We've seen what happens in Australia when you do that, haven't we? With Telstra, it was called Telecom, Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, the country's airports, the country's ports, 
and the list goes on and on. We see what happens when you've got privatisation. Then you've got globalisation, which means you open up your borders to every Tom, Dick and Harry, not in terms of refugees, but in terms of economics. And you find, as the Indian farmers are finding, and they're fighting tooth and nail against it, that you lose that little bit of economic independence you have. You lose your livelihoods. And there are millions of people in Sudan who are losing their livelihoods because of globalisation and corporatisation. So their revolution has been stolen. Stolen. Not just by their own military apparatus in the form of dictatorship, but it's been stolen by the neoliberals in the United Arab Emirates and the House of Saudi in Arabia who think they're ripe for the plucking. And unless the people of Sudan take back the streets as they're doing in Myanmar day after day after day, they'll find themselves in a worse situation than they were during the Islamic dictatorship. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. You can go to my Facebook page. No, I haven't been banned yet, Joseph Toscano, although public interest before corporate interest was banned 12 months ago. You can go to the public interest before corporate interest website, pipsy.net, Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to Twitter, Facebook. Oh, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Does it do anything for us? I doubt it. Because ultimately, it's not about me talking on the radio. It's not about you listening and throwing brick, you know, bricks at the at your radio or squashing it. It's not about that. It's about taking to the streets. It's about ensuring that we have some type of viable opposition with real ideas at the next federal election, and the list goes on and on. All right. God, I, I made a mistake. Look, when, when, look, I used to be a, a child genius. I know it's hard to believe. Maybe I'm, obviously I'm exaggerating, but uh, you do exaggerate on radio. It's a bit of a laugh. And I had a choice. I, mean, I could have been anything. I could have been anything when I went to university, but I chose to be a doctor, you know, help the people. How ridiculous, what a ridiculous you know, decision to make. I should have become a CEO of a large corporation. I reckon I've got the drive to have done it. It's a bit late now. I don't think anybody's going to offer me a CEO position of a large corporation. If they did, they'd need their head read. And I'll tell you why. Now, remember the Duke and Caves and Rio Tinto? Remember that? Hmm? Remember caves which had been continuously inhabited for over 45,000 years were blown up by Rio Tinto, courtesy of the West Australian government, a previous Liberal National Party government, which had given them permission, and obviously they blew them up. It was a bit of an outcry after the traditional owners weren't happy, you know, the usual people weren't happy. There was a parliamentary inquiry, and it's all died down, okay? All died down. But... There is a silver lining to every little story, especially if you're a senior executive or a CEO of a major corporation. Although the inquiries which were held kind of pointed the finger at the head 
of C of Rio Tinto in Australia, a Mr Lestrange, who I'm sure is a very decent human being. Michael. We'll call him Michael. Okay? Guess what? And he held an in- internal inquiry into the situation for Rio Tinto, the head honchos overseas. Guess what? Michael's wage has increased by over 40%, which brings his wage now to over, I think, over $16 million Australian a year, which is not bad money if you can get it. No wonder I wanted to be a CEO. So there is a silver lining to every cloud. You can blow up a culturally historic site that was continuously inhabited for 45,000 years by this nation's First Nations people and you can make a buck out of it. Not only did Michael get a bonus, but a number of other executives here in Australia got bonuses. It's very nice, very nice. So if there's any corporation out there looking for a CEO, I'm, I'm available. Look, up. You need, I need 10 million base salary which is standard if you're a CEO of a corporation. Standard, that's standard. And then I'll need some shares in that corporation. And then I'll obviously want some performance bonuses, which are based on the number of employees I can get rid of through automation. So I'm your man. I'm out there. So if there's any headhunters out there, I don't mean real headhunters, but I mean headhunters out there looking for a you know, CEO with a, Different uh, attitude. Well, I'm your man. I'm there. But I said, 10 million base salary and then give me a ring. Don't bother contacting me if it, there is no $10 million base salary. And then, I, as I said, I want I want a, a bonus for getting rid of employees through automation. I want that. I want a bonus for being a good guy, you know, turning up to board meetings. It's always a good thing to turn up to a board meeting. I want a bonus, especially with Zoom. Yeah, I want a bonus. But you've got to be a bit careful with Zoom. You never know who's in the background. You never know. You never know. That's, you know, who knows? I'm not going to go down that path. So I want a lot of bonuses. And then obviously, when I do something which is, or my organisation does something which is unconscionable, I want a wage rise of at least 40% for that year. Now, if you're willing to meet those criteria, I am willing to think about becoming a CEO for your organisation. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. I'd like to thank all those listeners across the country who are listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Yes, we talk sense, not dribble, and unfortunately that means there won't be many listeners, but there are some out there, and it's good to know that over 21 community radio stations across Australia broadcast the community radio, broadcast the Anarchist World this week through the community radio uh, network, and obviously the Anarchist World this week is produced from the studios of community radio station 3CR in Melbourne. Now, for the last five or six minutes, I just want to talk about something a little bit serious because I think a lot of people are confused. I want to talk about capitalism and class. Ooh, two C words. Ooh, ooh. Capitalism, private investment for private profit, and class divisions in society. 
Now, obviously, you know I'm hallucinating. I've just taken something before I come into the studio here at 3CR in Melbourne because we're a classless society in Australia, aren't we? We don't have 700,000 children living in poverty. We don't have one-third of the population living on Social Security benefits, you know, and the smell of an oily rag. We don't have refugees kind of languishing you know, off offshore for seven or eight years, do we? No, we don't have any of that. We've got a treaty with our nations, with our First Nations people, obviously, so obviously I'm hallucinating, but capitalism and class. Let's drag the concept of class into the 21st century because a lot of people are confused. They still think of class in 18th and 19th century terms. You know, there are manual workers and there are office workers and there are managers. Well, class in the 21st century has changed. Like everything else has changed, the definition of class has changed. And class should be looked at in terms of disposable income. Now, obviously, we have that 1% of the population that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Everybody likes to talk about the 1%ers, not the outlaw motorcycle gangs, but the other outlaws, the corporate outlaws. Right? And it's very easy to point your finger at them. But they have their knights. Every king and every queen needs knights to keep them in power. And their knights are the new class, the investment class. And the great thing about the investment class in 2021, it's not based on hereditary money like in the good old days. It's based on the amount of disposable income you have at the end of the day. And about 8% of Australians, the shining black knights for the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange, communication, are that investment classes. And they can be tradespeople and they can be teachers and they can be managers. They can be anybody. They can be an entrepreneur. As long as at the end of the day they have more money left over after they've met their living expenses, then they can use that money to invest in projects, whether it's a second or third or a fourth home or whatever. And it's the investment class, which we all aspire to, except me and you, which now is the most important class in this country. And it's important because... Legislation has been passed through Parliament over the last 20, 30 years which makes it really good to be an investor because you get tax deductions for owning more than one home. You get franking credits for owning stocks and shares and the list goes on and on. So you want to be part of the investment class but the problem is that over 80% of the population is either receives a social security benefit, which is about 30% of the population, and the other 50% or 55% are wage slaves. That's right. It doesn't matter what you are, whether you're a doctor, a manager. If at the end of the day, your living expenses match your wage, you can never be part of the investment class. You can never 
enjoy all those legislation that's been passed through federal parliament, which gives investors a head start in the game of life. So class is based on disposable income, not on hereditary income, although it helps to be, you know, Murdoch, unless your name is James and then you're on the outer. But, so think about it, capitalism and class and the changing nature of class and the fact that society has changed in such a way that I knew that we had problems when I was sitting in a cafe and there were two gentlemen in, you know, high-vis talking about their investments because they were tradies. Well... Not all tradies are investors, obviously, but I'm just talking about those that are you know, in that position that have got excessive income. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. And remember, it's not the Scott Morrison government, it's your government, it's the Australian government. And unfortunately, if you want to continue having a Morrison government or an Albanese government or a Caliphate or whatever government... Well, you just keep doing what you're doing. If you want to change things, become active. If you want to become politically active in terms of removing their votes, kneecapping them politically during federal elections, think about joining public interest before corporate interest. That's pipsy.net, pipsy.net. And remember, they want you to be depressed unhappy and thinking that you cannot fight City Hall. Not only can you fight City Hall, not only can you change the deck chairs on the Titanic, you can turn the Titanic around and you can put City Hall in its place. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week. Facebook page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Web pages, anarchistmedia.org, pipsy.net. Facebook page, Joseph Toscano of Toscano for the Public. Twitter stream, Instagram. It's all there. Look it up. If you haven't, you're haven't, you not computer literate, don't despair. You can always send letters to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. This program has been coming to you courtesy of the Community Radio Network. It's broadcast in over 21 community radio stations across the country in almost every state and territory. The program is produced from the studios of community radio station 3CR in Melbourne. My name's Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. Hopefully, you will have learned something, and if you haven't learned anything, it doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, whether you learn or you don't, change comes from people's feet on the streets. That is the history of humanity. That will be con- continue to be the history of humanity, And that's what you think you need to be thinking about. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events.
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.